Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. This is Fundamentally Mormon. Today we're going to be getting into Chapter 7 of Polygamy in the Bible. We'll be on pages 54 through 63. And the title of the chapter is Jacob and His House. The reader program portion of the program is about 20 minutes long so we'll get into that and then we'll do the reading and commentary portion of the program anyone who wants to call in about the topic that we're covering today can call in the guest call in number is 917-889-8827 thank you for listening Jacob and His House, Chapter 7 of Polygamy in the Bible, pages 54 to 63, and he lessened Jesus greater than shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Luke 1.33, Jacob is listed as the third great patriarch of the Old Testament, being named with Abraham and Isaac numerous times. He was the second son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham, and a twin brother to Esau. Jacob's name first appears in chapter 25 of the book of Genesis, and his death is recorded in chapter 50 and dash his life spanning through half the book of Genesis. There is so much written about Jacob in the Bible that if the book of Genesis was lost, we could still reconstruct a clear outline of his life from the other books. From this man and his twelve sons, all the notable people in the rest of the Bible trace their genealogy. Some of the prophets said that God was that king of Jacob, Isa. 41, 21, and that the great temple was the habitation for the God of Jacob, Acts 7, 46. And God said to Jacob that he would make of thee a great nation. Genesis 46, 3. 55, Esau cared little about his birthright and sold it to Jacob for a bowl of pottage, making it the most expensive bowl of beans ever sold. Esau was a hairy man and a hunter, but Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Their father Isaac favored Esau, but their mother Rebecca favored Jacob, which caused a little family trouble. When it came time for Father Isaac to give his patriarchal blessing upon his two sons, Jacob and his mother had to play a little game of deception. But, it was more through Esau's own waywardness that he lost his blessing and heritage. Another deceptive game was played, when Jacob took a wife. This time the game was played on him, and he took a different woman to wife than he thought he was getting. 
Jacob's name was changed to Israel, which means deception or to supplant. In both instances, his birthright and marriage were obtained in spite of deceit, not because of it. God wanted Jacob to have the birthright and made that choice before the boys were born. See Genesis 25, 23, and God also wanted him to live plural marriage as we shall soon see. But what more can we say for Jacob than what God said to him, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Genesis 32, 28, yet he was besieged with problems three of which could have easily cost him his life. One, his escape from the pursuit of angry Laban. Two, the confrontation with his brother, Esau. And three, the vengeance of the Canaanites, because of the death of Shechem. Yet, in each of these perils, he passed unscathed with the intervention of God. 56, the first 77 years of Jacob's life were spent in Canaan. If he was married before this time, the Bible gives no mention of it. But in the 78th year he left the family residence to take a wife among his kindred in Paddan Aram, often called Haran. After 21 years there, he returned with two wives, two concubines, and 12 children. Jacob was 98 years old when he returned to Canaan. 130 when he went to Egypt to see his favorite son Joseph, and 147 when he died. Jacob was poor when he entered Haran, but temporally and spiritually wealthy when he left. In spite of the hardships with his uncle, Laban, in Haran, he prospered financially and greatly increased his family. By careful examination, we find that previously there has been a long but narrow line of chosen people or a lineage of promise. Then, all the descendants of Jacob through his twelve sons were to be included in that favored house, family, or kingdom. On his departure from Haran, God visited his polygamist and promised him an infinite blessing, Thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south, and in the end I see shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Genesis 28, 24 What did Jacob do to obtain this outstanding blessing? Let's look briefly into his private life. Leah, one of Jacob's wives, had borne four sons, and then she left bearing. This was considered a tragedy in a patriarchal family. So we read that, when Leah saw that she had left bearing, she took, 57, Zilbar her maid, and gave her Jacob to wife. Some would question the rightfulness of this act. But after she did this, she called upon the Lord, and God hearkened unto Leah, and she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son. And Leah said, God hath given me my hire, because I have given my maiden to my husband. Genesis 30, 9, 17, 18. In this instance it will be seen that God heard the prayers of Leah, and answered her by giving Jacob and Leah a fifth son. The principle behind it was that she gave her maid to her husband as another wife. 
this particular act pleased the Lord. Therefore, he gave them the blessing they desired. The Lord, it is said, is no respecter of persons. And Ubar was probably just as worthy of having a husband as Leah. She, too, probably wanted children just as much as Leah did. And, although Rachel had given Bilhah to Jacob for a wife, yet it seems that Leah delayed following that example of her younger sister until she was barren. But when she became willing to give Zilpah to Jacob, then the Lord blessed her for the act. Both Zilpah and Bilhah may have failed in getting the kind of husband they desired had it not been for the goodness of Rachel and Leah and the principle of polygamy. When Esau met Jacob with his wives and children, he asked, Who are these with thee? And Jacob answered, The children which God hath graciously given thy servant. Genesis 33, 5, Jacob attributed his wives and children as blessings from God, not as results from some criminal act. Esau was a polygamist, too, but he did not accept it upon proper principles. 58, Esau took two wives, both Hittites, idolatresses and Ash which were a grief of mind unto Isaac and to Rebekah. Genesis 26, 34-35, but whence arose this grief of mind in Esau's parents? Not on account of his polygamy, but because he had married heathen women, as is clear from 27, 46. Therefore Jacob is sent to Paddan Aram, that he might not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, but of his mother's family. And when Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac, his father, he went and took a wife of the daughters of Ishmael, unto the wives which he had endashed. But we hear of no lamentation of Isaac and Rebekah over this fresh act of polygamy. Tell of Torah, by Rev. Martin Madden, p. 115. But returning to Jacob and Dash, he married Rachel, who continued to be barren for many years. But God did not leave this as a punishment upon her for marrying a man who had another wife. It is said that God remembered Rachel and hearkened unto her, and opened her womb when she bare a son, and she said, God hath taken away my reproach. See Genesis 30, 22. Then, if that was not enough, God pronounced special blessings on that offspring. This proves that, in God's eyes, as well as in some men's eyes, a second marriage is just as valid and as sacred as a first. Neither were there any blessings that would deny the second wife over the first. 59. Now, let's look into Jacob's family to see how God treated the children of this polygamist. A good example is his son, Joseph. While Joseph was in prison in Egypt, God allowed him to look 14 years into the future and to sway the great Pharaoh to God's will. In return, the Pharaoh, and God, blessed him. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled, only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. 
Genesis 41, 39-41, Lieutenant doesn't take a very smart man to realize that Jacob and his son Joseph were highly favored of the Lord. God gave them every high honor and spiritual blessing possible. When Jacob was talking to Joseph, he quoted the Lord's words to him, The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors, unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. Genesis 49, 26 The Lord made a rule that he would visit the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations. CX 25 However, it is certainly evident that God found no fault with this polygamist nor his children. 975 years after Jacob died, the Lord told Cyrus, king of Persia, that he would receive blessings, treasures and hidden riches because of Jacob, my servant's sake. Caesar 45 1-5, he declared that he was the God of Israel, and that Israel is his elect. Of course, such 60 passages of scripture caused the Israelites to love and honor the name and life of Jacob, and desire to follow in his footsteps. God gives no intimation that Jacob had done anything wrong in having several wives. God surely understood that such a thing would encourage polygamy with others. The descendants of Abraham and Jacob surely gave respect to them, as evidenced by their asking the Savior, Art thou greater than our father Jacob? And again, Art thou greater than our father Abraham? The descendants of Jacob, known as the house of Israel, gave the highest respect to Jacob and yet he was a polygamist. It is very clear that God favored these polygamists, as illustrated by Reverend Summers. God was quite partial to the polygamists. What if our president should select none but Presbyterians to fill the most honorable positions and should make the greatest and most precious promises to them and should associate but little with anyone except Presbyterians and their sons? Would not any sane man think the president was partial to Presbyterians? From the time God called Abraham Till the death of Joseph, a period of 286 years, the Bible shows very plainly that God conferred honors upon polygamists and their sons, that he did not upon any other people on the whole earth. And he was by all odds more friendly with them, and communed with them oftener, than with any other people. They seem to, 61, have been his pets. Marriage, or, the Bible and polygamy. Rev. Summers, P. 16. The Bible tells us that the number of children that came from this polygamist Jacob were many. Moses said that all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were seventy souls, X. 1, 5, and furthermore that the children of Israel were fruitful, and increased abundantly, and multiplied, and waxed exceeding mighty. X. 1. 7. God's bestowal of these wonderful blessings is no more than any father could ask for his children and posterity. After Jacob 
had lived in polygamy for 17 years, God appeared to him again and blessed him, and told him to continue to be fruitful and multiply, promising him that a company of nations, and also kings, would come out of his loins. Genesis 35, 11, but, God never said a word about getting rid of any of his wives. For 286 years prior to the death of Joseph, God hardly had any earthly communication except with polygamists and their sons. Then going forward in time for 1635 years, the descendants of the polygamists continued to be the chosen and the favorites of his attention. Our Lord told us to judge a tree by its fruit. God has certainly shown his love, attention and special blessings in the genealogical tree of the polygamists. We learn from these plain Bible truths, that these polygamists had more exalted and divine honors conferred upon them and their sons, and more great, precious promises made to them, than all the millions of monogamists who had inhabited the earth. These facts speak for themselves. 62. The lives and writings of the polygamists were preponderant in the Bible, and hold precedence over all the others. Jacob's polygamous family was selected of God to establish the chosen nation, the messianic race through which would come the savior of the world. As carefully as the genealogy of Christ was kept, he was allowed to be born through a lineage of polygamists. How can such a thing happen? Indeed, it was one of the principal objects of keeping such records and dashed to show that the lineage was sacred. In concluding this chapter, let's consider the special favors God granted to Jacob. 1. The Lord greatly blessed Jacob, both before and after he became a polygamist. His taking other wives apparently did not offend God. 2. Jacob was a polygamist when he received revelations, visions, and a host of angels conversing with him. Are not these spiritual gifts from God only conferred upon the righteous? 3. If polygamy were a sin, God failed to inform Jacob about it. Why would God overlook such a terrible sin in this man and bless him and his children for their righteousness? 4. Jacob lived plural marriage to the time of his death. Yet Jesus said that Jacob was in the kingdom of heaven. See that. 8, 11. Apparently polygamy will not keep a man out of heaven, but rather is the means of helping him get there. 63, 5. The name of Jacob is mentioned over 300 times in the Bible because of his righteousness. If polygamy was sinful, why would the writers of the Bible call Jacob a righteous man? 6. If polygamy was sinful, why did Rachel give Bilhah to her husband and he accepted it as being morally right? Don't the actions of Rachel tend to be an example of self-sacrifice, showing that she acted from a higher motive than just her earthly marriage to Jacob? 7. Doesn't the fact that God greatly blessed Jacob and his children prove that the manner in which they were born is approved of by God? 8.
Jacob received blessings and promises greater than nearly any other prophet in the Bible. If monogamy is more acceptable than polygamy, why didn't God reserve such blessings for them? 9. The twelve sons of this polygamist Jacob became known as the house of Israel, and their names will be emblazoned over the gates that lead into heaven. Rev. 21.12 If these sons were born in sin, would God put their names on heaven's gate? 10. Jacob was told by God that he was a prince with God at the time when he had been living with four wives for many years. The life and labors of Jacob attest to his faithfulness to God. But what greater witness do we have of this than his own testimony when he said, I have seen God face to face. Genesis 32, 30, 64, chapter 8, The Life of Moses. Okay, we'll start with the reading and commentary portion of the program. Once again, the guest caller number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. Kim and Emmett, I can see that you have called in. Are you there? I am. Yep, me too. Are you still driving around, Kim? I am almost to the house. Um, I already sent out a text to the kids, to whoever has his phone, that um, I have popsicles and stuff that need to be refrigerated or frozen when I get there. (laughs) Okay. Um, I did the recording for the reading portion of the program, and uh, I think so you guys don't have to read. Uh, For everyone who is listening, um, I will take phone calls during the reading portion of the program, and uh, you can ask me your questions and comments off air. And then if you would like to go live after the reading portion of the program is over with, then I will take your calls live at that point, or I'll just address them myself as uh, the end of the, or after the reading portion of the program. So I have isolated myself in my bedroom, and I've been in here all day long. And my head cold isn't too bad because I've been taking Mucinex and all of the other things that my wife gave me, (laughs) Um, but I am very sore, and um, I am dizzy, Uh, so I've been laying down most of the day, and uh, just in case people don't know, I have COVID, so anyway, um, but I, I hurt, but I'm not... I don't know. This isn't the worst cold I ever had. Like when this pandemic came out, I think it was like February of 2020. Like I was almost dead because I was so sick. You remember that, Kim? Yeah, I do. You were coughing a lot, like almost passed out coughing. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I was blacking out like cuz I was coughing so hard. 
remember when my old boss that passed away, like he, I, I was like, I was sick and I wasn't going to work and he called me up and he says, you Jewish B word, <laughs> what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm sick. And he actually brought a bottle of wild turkey to the house and told me to drink the whole bottle and I'll feel better in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that. I also made you, like, drink minced garlic and, like, a bunch of stuff to help get it out of your system. And you're probably, I think it's funny because you said I'm giving you all these things. Well, I brought home some more minced garlic, and you're going to be probably eating that until it's pouring out of your your system. So that way it helps to (laughs) flood it out of you. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently I'm going to the doctor tomorrow, Mom. yeah. Um, yep, that's happening. Yeah, mom has an appointment for you tomorrow. All right. Well, Emmett had COVID. Well, he was diagnosed six days ago, so he's recovering pretty well. And Olivia has it, but she doesn't even act like she's sick. So she's 13, of course. It doesn't affect kids. She's like her it's, mommy. <laughs> Whatever, Kim, like when you mommy. had it, you were, like, <laughs> laying in bed, half to the world. I remember. <laughs> when I had it, I was, like, exhausted for 24 hours. I couldn't do anything. Yeah. And then um, when I was sleeping, I so the weird thing was when I was sleeping, I, like, could feel like I was going to stop breathing because, I, I don't know, my lungs just felt so or something and so I felt like I was just gonna stop breathing and there's a few times where I like woke up and was like <gasps> like take a huge breath and then I was like okay okay I'm gonna stay alive so that happened to me but I don't know I think everything is a little bit different for everyone else I you know I'm asthmatic so that might be why I had that issue yeah well luckily you know the best um antibodies for COVID is getting it and beating it. So none of us have been vaccinated and we don't believe in vaccines anyway. Um, And I won't get into why, but we just don't. And uh, so, you know, we're not vaccinated and we're not going to be vaccinated. So, um, you know, I'll go through this and just glad it's Omicron yeah. and not Delta or something. I was going to say something. I was going to say something about that. So, um, my work obviously offers it because I teach. So they offered it, and when when they did offer it for us, I was not. I was sick. You can't get anything when you're sick, anyways. But I, the last time I had gotten any kind of shot at all was when I got a flu shot. And I had never been so sick in my life after I got it. So then I was like, I don't want any more shots. Because, yeah, I mean, I had here. the whole thing, like, 103 degrees temperatures. So I was like, I don't want any more. So, anyways, when they offered it, I ended up being sick, so I couldn't go and get that. And they offered boosters and all of the things. And then they found, you know, they the findings of them are not that much different. It doesn't seem like it's very being very helpful. So... Um, they also offered me the immunite, Im, what is that thing called? The, the, uh, antibodies. They offered me that when I got the it. The blood transfusion. No, yeah, you didn't. You went to get it, but then you felt. 
you felt right. really bad but about I, it after you read about I, it, and we walked yeah, out. Yeah, it was only like 60% effective, but then they that wasn't even a real number because they said that they said they thought it was 60% effective, but it was hard to determine because a lot of people get way sicker after they get it, but they're not sure if that was sick from what they did or if it's sick from being COVID. Uh, you know, like they would have taken a turn for the worse. And so with that, I was like, oh, I can't handle the anxiety for this. So, yeah, and I prayed about it, and I just was like, nope, I can't. Uh, that's not going to happen. I'm just really nervous. And so the nurse was super nice, and she, you know, she was like, I'm not vaccinated. And she's like, I totally, uh, you know, I'm fine with whatever your decision is. And she's like, I don't want you to feel like you're getting pressured from me. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to leave then. And she was like, that's absolutely fine. And so actually my husband came in to get me because I was kind of having a panic attack over it. <laughs> and he came into yeah. the hospital and was like, come on, you can come out. Let's go. Come on. And I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> and I like left. Um, <laughs> Didn't they yeah, charge so you? Didn't they bill you for that anyway? They did bill me. I, I got billed $10 and 36 cents or something like that. For going oh, in there and processing telling them paperwork. No. I don't know, but when yeah. I was in that room, they closed the door, and it's like this huge HEPA filter that's filtering out all the air I'm breathing. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. So, um, and then I had a prayer from my husband that, or a blessing I had from my husband that time, and then um, I was fine by 4 a.m. I was like, I feel fine. I'm good. False alarm. Let's not do this again. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I had really good, um, really good stuff with it. Um, I was getting nervous a little bit about this time because, you know, Emmett had it and I'm like, well, my, uh, my 90 days is almost up. And so I was like really getting worried. Like <laughs> when is the 90 days? Oh, yeah. Does it end when I stopped having symptoms? Did it, did it end when I you went can't back to have, work? You, <laughs> can't, you can't get COVID for 90 days after you've had COVID according to the genius COVID, uh, translator that tells all the scientists you know and like if you're six feet away from somebody else you can't get it and if you're at a BLM protest or riot you know then then COVID won't attack you but if you're at a patriot riot or uh, protest or whatever then you can get it and this whole thing is political BS and uh, it's just well, I don't know about all that, but I I do know that, and what I was going to say is, because I'm, like, trying to be factual here, um, but when I was on the phone and I said, um, so do I have to quarantine? Do I not quarantine? She was like, are you vaccinated? I'm like, no, I'm not vaccinated, like, no boosters, nothing. So she was like, well, then what you need to do is you need to quarantine. And I said, well, I had it within less than 90 days, but if I'm, like, if my 90 days is up on Thursday, then do I need to quarantine for Friday? <laughs> and she was like, I don't, hold on, let me ask somebody else. So then she asked the other lady who was at the, the desk, and the other lady was like, uh, she'll be fine, but if she has symptoms, then tell her to wear a mask. <laughs> so, so I was like, Obviously. okay, and so that's what they told me. So I'm like, all right, uh, sounds good. But they don't know, you know, they, nobody knows. And they're just like, I don't they're know. So and they're the ones crap. making the rules. Yeah. So it was yeah. the people at the health department. So they're the ones making the rules. And it's like. Yeah. And they're know, all full of crap. And if you go back, go back into old dictionaries and look up the word COVID, it will tell you it's the common cold. 
also, if you go back to the clips of the news um, in December of 2019 and January of 2020, they were showing like massive zombie apocalypse crap happening in Wuhan, you know, and it was like propaganda to scare the crap out of everybody. This thing was planned and uh, it, it was scare people to get them to take these vaccines. And people are dying um, because of the vaccines. And a lot of people are dying. And it, look at your vaccine. text. <laughs> I was anyway, trying to get them to come so, out because I've been sitting out here. So I'm like, come oh, get the stuff. But the other thing, answered the text. <laughs> the other thing, too, is um, I trust in God. And we have uh, a life that he has given us. And we have Me an too. appointed time death and if he wants to take me home I know that that will be very upsetting to my wife and kids but I'm not going until it's my time whether or not I'm vaccinated or not so unless somebody murders me and I consider the vaccines murder so I'm not going to take it so I trust God and he's I one of my nicknames is Lazarus and Kim. Uh, well, I have a tattoo on my back, and it says Lazarus. And I wish Kim get a tattoo gun and fix it up. And I know, oh, the tattoos are so horrible, but whatever. Anyway, but one of the reasons my nickname was Lazarus is because I have been blown up and hung and shot at and stabbed and tried to commit suicide and been in a lot of bad situations. One time I blew myself up and then running away from the explosion that I caused, I was trying to get away from that area and I slipped and fell down a waterfall into a frozen lake. (laughs) Uh, I'm here still, can't kill me. I should have been dead by hypothermia twice. Anyway, so Lazarus in the Bible, or Eleazar in Hebrew, like he was brought back from the dead, but I never died, and I should be dead over and over and over again. So um, I always joke with my wife that I'm immortal, but I know I'm not because I know that I do have an appointment with death, and there is a specific time when I will die, and I understand how that will happen. And yeah, but guillotine isn't so bad, Kim. In fact, that's the best way. And I have to make dinner, and so I'm going to have to, like, not be talking a whole bunch to you. But I have to do that, and then I do also have to go get fuel. I didn't get any, and I forgot, and now my light is on. And I will not do it in the morning. You know that. So... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, um, I do have the second part to this, uh, the reading and commentary portion. And uh, I didn't do a lot of commentary today just because I was trying to get it done before uh, the program started. And uh, I didn't want to have to make you or Emmett read when I know that you guys have other things you've got to do. So anyway, all right, well, let's get into the reading and commentary portion. Like I said, Um, The phone lines are open. There are only 10 lines available at 
like I don't know why it used to be 100 lines, then it went down to 50, and now it's 10. So if you do have a question or comment about theology in general, give me a call. I'll bring you into the screening room, and then uh, you can ask me your questions or comments. And if you would like to go live after the the reading and commentary portion, I will bring you on live or I'll just write down your question or comment and I'll address it on the air and you can listen. So uh, Fundamentally Mormon goes live Monday through Friday from 6 p.m. till we're finished or 8. Anyway, so and the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. Okay, this is the Terry reading portion of the program. Jacob in his house, chapter 7 of Polygamy in the Bible, pages 54 through 63. And he, Jesus, shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there shall be no end. Luke chapter 1, verse 33. Jacob is listed as the third great patriarch of the Old Testament, being named with Abraham and Isaac numerous times. He was the second son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham, and the twin brother of Esau. Jacob's name first appears in Genesis chapter 25, and his death is recorded in chapter 50 of Genesis his life spanning through half of the book of Genesis. There is so much written about Jacob in the Bible that if the book of Genesis was lost, we could still reconstruct a clear outline of his life from other books. From this man and his 12 sons, all the notable people in the rest of the Bible traces their genealogy. Some of the prophets said that God was the king of Jacob, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 21, and that the great temple was the habitation for the God of Jacob, Acts chapter 7, verse 46. And God said to Jacob that he would make of thee a great nation, Genesis chapter 46, verse 3, page 55. Esau cared little about his birthright and sold it to Jacob for a bowl of pottage, making it the most expensive bowl of beans ever sold. Esau was a hairy man and a hunter, but Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Their father Isaac favored Esau, but their mother Rebekah favored Jacob, which caused a little family trouble. When it came to time for father Isaac to give his patriarchal blessing upon his two sons, Jacob and his mother had to play a little game of deception. But it was more more through Esau's own waywardness that he lost his blessings and heritage. Another deceptive game was played when Jacob took a wife. This time the game was played on him and he took a different woman to wife than he thought he was getting. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, which means deception. Well, okay, well, Jacob, 
means deception or to supplant. That's worded a little bit weird. Israel means to prevail with God. Anyway, in both instances, his birthright and marriage were obtained in spite of deceit, not because of it. God wanted Jacob to have the birthright and made that choice before the boys were born. See Genesis chapter 25 verse 23. And God also wanted him to live plural marriage as we shall soon see. But what more can we say for Jacob than what God said to him? Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, Thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Genesis chapter 32, verse 28. Yet he was besieged with problems, three of which could have easily cost him his life. Number one, his escape from the pursuit of Agri Laban. Number two, a confrontation with his brother Esau. And number three, the vengeance of the Canaanites because of the death of Shisharim. Yet in each of these perils he passed unscathed with the intervention of God. Page 56. The first 77 years of Jacob's life were spent in Canaan. If he was married before this time, the Bible gives no mention of it. But in the 78th year, he left the family residence to take a wife from among his kindred in Padan Aram often called Haran. After 21 years there, he returned with two wives, two concubines, and 12 children. Jacob was 98 years old when he returned to Canaan, 130 when he went to Egypt to see his favorite son Joseph, and 147 years old when he died. Jacob was poor when he entered Haran, but temporally and spiritually wealthy, wealthy when he left. In spite of the hardships with his uncle Laban in Haran, he pr- prospered financially and greatly increased his family. By careful examination, we find these previous, that previously there had been a long but narrow line of chosen people or lineage of promise. Then all the descendants of Jacob through his twelve sons were to be included in that favored house, family, or kingdom. On his departure from Haran, God visited this polygamist and promised him an infinite blessing. Quote, Thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Genesis chapter 28, verse 24. What did Jacob do to obtain this outstanding blessing? Let's look briefly into his private life. Leah, one of Jacob's wives, actually his first wife, had borne four sons and then she left bearing so she couldn't have any sons after that. This was considered a tragedy in a patriarchal family. So we read that when Leah saw that she was left bearing, she took Zilphah, her maid, and gave her Jacob to wife. Some would question the rightfulness of this act, but after she did this, 
she called upon the Lord, and God hearkened unto Leah, and she conceived and bare Jacob, the fifth son. Uh, okay, yeah, she bore Jacob, the fifth son. And Leah said, God hath given me my hire, because I have given my maiden to my husband. Genesis chapter 30, verses 9, 17, and 18. In this instance, it will be seen that God heard the prayers of Leah and answered her by giving Jacob and Leah a fifth son. The principle behind it was that she gave her maid to her husband as another wife. This particular act pleased the Lord, therefore he gave them the blessings they desired. The Lord, it is said, is no respecter of persons, and Zilpah was probably just as worthy of having a husband as Leah. She too probably wanted children just as much as Leah did. And although Rachel had given Bil- Bilhah to Jacob for his wife, yet it seemed that Leah delayed following that example of her younger sister until she was barren. But when she became willing to give Zilpha to Jacob, then the Lord blessed her for the act. Both Zilpha and Bilah may have failed in getting the kind of husband they desired had it not been for the goodness of Rachel and Lehah and the principle of polygamy. When Esau met Jacob with his wives and children, he asked, Why are these with thee? Jacob answered, The children of God have graciously given thy servant. Genesis chapter 33, verse 5. Jacob attributed his wives and children as blessings from God, not as a result from some criminal act. Esau was a polygamist too, but he did not accept it upon proper principles. Page 58. Esau took two wives, both Hittites, idolatresses, which were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. See Genesis chapter 26, verses 34 through 35. But whence arose this grief in the mind of Esau's parents? Not on the account of his polygamy, but because he had married heathen women, as it is clear from Genesis 27, verse 46. Therefore Jacob is sent to Padan Aram that he might not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan or Canaan <laughs> but of his mother's family and when Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father he went and took a wife of the daughters of Ishmael unto the wives which he had but we hear of no lamentation of Isaac, Isaac or Rebekah over this fresh act of polygamy. And that is, end quote, Philippritia, I don't know how to say that word, it's a book apparently, by Reverend Martin Madden, Madden page 115. But returning to Jacob, he married Rachel, who continued to be barren for many years. But God did not leave this as a punishment upon her for marrying a man who had another wife. It is said that God remembered Rachel and hearkened unto her, and opened her womb, and she bare a son. And she said, God hath taken away my reproach. 
Genesis chapter 30, verse 22. Then, if that was not enough, God pronounced special blessings on that offspring. This proves that in God's eyes, as well as in some men's eyes, a second marriage is just as valid and as sacred as the first. Neither were there any blessings that were denied the second wife over the first. And like, so I've made this point recently, but these people who are just pushing this polygamy as an abomination and a sin, well, every child that came out of Rachel, Bilah, or Zilpah, or however you say their names, they were all bastards because those marriages weren't legitimate because they were abominations. So you're calling like the majority of the 12 tribes of Israel bastards. But God blessed them as sons. And I just, I'm sorry that your Gentile minds can't comprehend why polygamy is important. Because there is a temporal thing to it, but there's also a spiritual thing to it, which is necessary for the exaltation of both men and women. And it is because God loves his elect daughters, and there are many more of them than his elect males, that God allows plural celestial marriage to be a thing. But people want to throw, you know, they call, uh, how does it go? In the last days they shall call right, wrong, and wrong, right, or something to that effect. And it's just sad because I see people getting hung up on this uh, specific topic and it's just slowing down the progression. And these are good people, but they're being led astray by Judas goat doctrines. Anyway, the only reason I know anything about it isn't because I studied it and came up with my own conclusion and then just ran with it. God showed me why polygamy is important. And I've talked about that in the past as well. And that's why I've got to fight so hard against these people and their foolishness about polygamy. And I don't even think they listen to these programs. They certainly don't hardly read what I try to tell them. But, uh, you know, to he who has been warned, it is given for him to warn his neighbor. And this is my way of getting your blood off of my skirts, so to speak. Anyway, verse uh, page 59, and we're 49% through with this reading for today. Oh, now let's look into Jacob's family to see how God treated the children of this, this polygamist. A good example is his son Joseph. While Joseph was in prison in Egypt, God allowed him to look 14 years into the future and to sway the great Pharaoh to God's will. In return, the Pharaoh and God blessed him. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Genesis chapter 41, verses 39 through 41. It doesn't take a very smart man to realize that Jacob 
and his son Joseph were highly favored of the Lord. God gave them every high honor and spiritual blessing possible. When Jacob was talking to Joseph, he quoted the Lord's words to him, quote, The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills. Genesis chapter 49, verse 26, which, by the way, real quick, I'll just mention this. The everlasting hills start in South America and they go to North America. Jacob was giving him an inspired revelation or a patriarchal blessing which told Joseph that his descendants would be found in the upmost bounds of the everlasting hills, which is North America. And that is why we have the Book of Mormon, because it is a record of the tribe of Joseph. In Ezekiel 37, it talks about the stick of Joseph and the stick of Judah. Well, sticks are what they put scrolls on, which is the way they kept books back then. And so the stick of Joseph would be a record of the tribe of Joseph. And the stick of Judah is a record of the tribe of Judah. Well, the Bible comes from the Jews, but the stick of Joseph is not found in the Bible. Well, Jesus said, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also must I bring, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. He said that shortly before he died, and Jesus never went to anybody except for the area that he lived in. But he did go to those people, the tribe of Joseph, other sheep he had which were not of this fold of Judah, but he did that after his death and resurrection. He visited those people, those other tribes of Israel, and he visited other tribes that we don't know about. But the Book of Mormon is a record of the tribe of Joseph and of Jesus Christ and his dealings among that, the people of the tribe of Joseph. Anyway, getting back to the reading. The Lord made a rule that he would visit the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation. See Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. However, it is certainly evident that God found no fault in this polygamist nor his children. 975 years after Jacob died, the Lord told Cyrus, the king of Persia, that he would receive blessings, treasures, and hidden riches because of Jacob, my servant's sake. Isaiah chapter 45, verses 1 through 5. And just real quick, it doesn't get into this, but I think it's interesting. Like everybody talks about Jesus as the only Messiah. Well, if you go to this um, Isaiah passage, uh, God calls Cyrus, the king of Persia, his Messiah. Because the Messiah is somebody who delivers from the bondage of a thing. Cyrus delivered the people from the bondage of Babylon the Great. Jesus Christ will deliver you from the bondage of death and hell. And Messiah ben Joseph, who is also a Messiah, who is on the earth now, will deliver you if you hearken into his voice. Uh, Like... uh, it drives me nuts. I, Messiah ben Joseph is the man like unto Moses. And it says in Acts chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, that you will hear him or you will be destroyed from among the people. And nobody listens. 
Because guess what? I'm him. I know that because God has showed these things to me. I don't want to be him. I don't want to lead. I do want people to come closer to God. And one of the things that God has told me to tell you is that you need to move to Emory County, Utah, if you can, because this is the gathering place for when everything falls apart. We are going south to a specific place where we will be protected from the the things that are happening in this nation. Because my job is to deliver you from the, the bondage of Babylon the Great, and especially of the curses and all of the mess that's going to happen as it falls. And I know a lot of people scoff at that, and I'm sorry for you. This is not what I want to do with my life. I really don't. But this is what God has called me to. That's why I do these radio programs, because I'm trying to help people. Um, Part of my job is to set the house of God in order, and part of that is by teaching people, and most people won't listen. And you know what? Those who won't listen, you deserve what you get. So I, I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, he declared that he was the God of Israel and that Israel was his elect. Of course, such passages of scriptures caused the Israelites to love and honor the name and life of Jacob and desire to follow in his footsteps. God gives no estimation that Jacob had done anything wrong in having several wives. God surely understood that such a thing would encourage polygamy with others. The descendants of Abraham and Jacob surely gave respect to them as evident evidenced by their asking the Savior, Art thou greater than our father Jacob? And again, Art thou greater than our father Abraham? The descendants of Jacob, known as the house of Israel, gave the highest respect to Jacob. Yet, he was a polygamist. It is very clear that God favored these polygamists with illustrated, as illustrated by Reverend Summers when he said, quote, God was quite partial to the polygamists. What if our president, so he's talking about the president of the United States, should select none but Presbyterians to fill the most honorable positions and should make the greatest and most precious promises to them and should associate but little with any other Anyone except the Presbyterians and their sons, would not any sane man think the Presbyterian was partial to the Presbyterians? From the time God called Abraham till the death of Joseph, a period of 286 years, the Bible shows very plainly that God conferred honors upon the polygamists and their sons, and he did not upon any other people of the whole earth. And he was by all odds more friendly with them and communed with them oftener than with any other people. They seemed to have been his pets. And quote marriage or Bible and polygamy by Reverend Summers, page 16. The Bible tells us that the number of children that came from this polygamous Jacob were many. Moses said that all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls. See Exodus chapter 1 verse 5. 
And furthermore, that the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty. Exodus chapter 1 verse 7. God's bestowal of these wonderful blessings is no more than any father could ask for his children and posterity. After Jacob had lived polygamy for 17 years, God appeared to him again and blessed him and told him to continue to be fruitful and multiply to be fruitful and multiply promising him that a company of nations and also kings would come out of his loins Genesis chapter 35 verse 11 but God never said a word about getting rid of any of his wives For 286 years prior to the death of Joseph, God hardly had an earthly communication except with the polygamists and their sons. Then going forward in time for 1,635 years, the descendants of the polygamists continued to be the chosen and the favorites of his attention. Our Lord told us to judge a tree by its fruits. God has certainly shown his love, attention, and special blessings in the genealogical tree of the polygamists. We learn from these plain Bible truths that these polygamists had more exalted and divine honors conferred upon them and their sons and more great precious promises made to them than all the millions of monogamists who had inhabited the earth. These facts speak for themselves. We're on page 62 and we're 81% through with the reading for today. The lives and writings of the polygamists were preponderant in the Bible and hold precedent over all the, the others. Jacob's polygamous family was selected of God to establish the chosen nation, the messianic race through which would come the savior of the world, as carefully as the genealogy of Christ was kept, he was allowed to be born through a lineage of polygamists. How could such a thing happen? Indeed, it was one of the principal objects in keeping such records to show that the lineage was sacred. In concluding this chapter, let us consider the special favors God granted Jacob. Number one, the Lord greatly blessed Jacob both before and after he became, became a polygamist. His taking of otherwise apparently did not offend God. Number two, Jacob was a polygamist when he received revelations, visions, and a host of angels conversing with him. Are not these spiritual gifts from God only conferred upon the righteous? Number three, if polygamy were a sin... God failed to inform Jacob about it. Why would God overlook such a terrible sin in this man and bless him and his children for their righteousness? Number four, Jacob lived plural marriage to the time of his death. Yet Jesus said that Jacob was in the kingdom of heaven. See Matthew chapter 8 verse 11. Apparently, polygamy will not keep a man out of heaven, but rather is the means of helping him to get there. Page 63. 5. 
The name of Jacob is mentioned over 300 times in the Bible because of his righteousness. If polygamy were sinful, why would the writers of the Bible call Jacob a righteous man? Number six. If polygamy were sinful, why did Rachel give Bilhah to her husband and he accept it as being morally right? Don't the actions of Rachel tend to be an example of self-sacrifice, showing that she acted from a higher motive than just her earthly marriage to Jacob, or I might add, her own selfishness? Just throwing that out there for all those women who hate polygamy so much. Number seven. Doesn't the fact that God greatly blessed Jacob and his children prove that the manner in which they were born is approved by God? Number eight, Jacob received blessings and promises greater than nearly any other prophet in the Bible. If monogamy is more acceptable than polygamy, why didn't God reserve such blessings for them? Number nine, the twelve sons of this polygamist Jacob became known as the house of Israel and their names were will be emblazoned over the gates that lead into heaven. See Revelations chapter 21 verse 12. And by the way, the only people who get into heaven, they have to go through the gates which are named after the tribe that they are adopted into or that they are naturally born into, which every single gate of the 12 gates of the city of God in the book of Revelations chapter 21 verse 12 They're all Israelite gates. There are no Gentiles in heaven. You have to become adopted into the house of Israel in order to come through those gates. If these sons were born into sin, would God put their names on heaven's gate? 10. Jacob was told by God that he was a prince with God at a time when he had been living with four wives for many years. The life and labors of Jacob attest to his faithfulness to God, but what greater witness do we have of this than his own testimony when he said, I have seen God face to face. Genesis chapter 32, verse 30. So when we come back on tomorrow, we're going to be in chapter 8, and we'll talk about the life of Moses, and that'll be on page 64. And uh, hopefully I won't have any problems. Like, I've had some sinus problems and a little bit of a head cold. Luckily, I can pause the recording when I need to cough or pause it if I have to, like, get up and do something. But just the I have COVID right now in case somebody didn't listen to the program yesterday. And uh, my whole body is sore. And I throw up when I eat, and I have uh, diarrhea. I know, nobody wants to hear that, but it's the case. That's what's going on with me. I haven't had any respiratory problems other than just the head cold. But my daughter and I tested positive for COVID yesterday, and... (laughs) I'm pretty sure my wife has had it twice. And I'm pretty sure she's the one that gave it to my son, Emmett, who's 16. And then he was diagnosed last week with it. And Emmett doesn't know how to wash his hands to save his life. And he touches everything. And he's just a pain in the butt. 
actually 16 and he's a boy and he has Asperger's, which compounds the whole issue. But um, that's what we're dealing with right now. And luckily, I have vacation time that I can use to be sick with COVID, which really sucks because I have so many things that I would like to do. But if I don't have vacation time, I can't do them. Or I'll get fired. And I like this job, but I feel like I'm in bondage to this job. You know, and like I want to go to Sunstone. I want to go to Pesach or Passover. I'd like to go to the Purim thing. I would like to go to all of the different things I'm invited to all the time. But at the same time, when I get out of the truck, I'm tired and I just want to lay down and rest because my body, even though I'm sore right now because of the COVID, I'm always sore. My body always hurts. So I don't know. Anyway, the guest call in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. And we'll take any questions or comments about theology at this point, if we have any, but, uh, I'm just grateful that people, um, that some of you actually do listen to these programs. By the way, um, I have been putting the screen recordings for the new programs for the reading, uh, the, the reader program reading on YouTube. Um, I don't want to get flagged for talking about COVID on YouTube. So that's why I haven't been uploading the newer programs. Um, I've been uploading the older programs to YouTube because uh, I, ta- I mean, I did a little bit. You know, I did say that God told me that the cure will be worse than the sickness. And uh, I can see that playing out right now, but I read a lot. And uh, most people don't read a lot, so they just take what they're given. Anyway, I better get this uh, uploaded before the program has to start. So thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. Okay, so I was actually looking at Facebook, and people were commenting on my posts and arguing with me about polygamy. But uh, I told him to call in if they had a problem with it. But, uh, you know, he whose deeds are evil cometh not unto the light. So people don't call in because they, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, there's always these lines open and available for anyone to call in. And the chat room's there. And, uh, can you hear me? Whatever. So, yes, I can hear you. Go ahead, Kim. Oh, was I muted all the rest of the whole time? I muted you from the studio. Okay. Well, there was one thing. Like, I know how people argue this whole thing, right? I know how they argue all of the little arguments. I don't hear you anymore. Are you in the back with the goats? Kim? I think my wife is in back in the car with the goats and we don't have cell phone reception on that part of our property. Oh, it just said that her phone dropped. 
So we'll wait for I her to come back in. She, Emma, did did she say she was going out to do the goats? She didn't say anything to me. Last text I got from her said come to me. She said she wanted everyone to go out and get everything. Um, you should go that down and get me one of those sugar sugar free popsicles that Mom bought me. <laughs> I asked her to buy them for me because my throat kind of hurts. And then I know she did. So we're just waiting for my wife to call back in because she did have something to say. So um, I would like to hear what that is. But anybody else can call in. The guest call in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. And... Uh, Maybe I can try to call her. Let's see, invite co-host. Oh, I don't know how that works. Oh, that's a different thing. Emma, why are you texting on your phone and unmuted? Oh, I don't know. Because uh, <laughs> I can hear I was you. Muted. Pounding on your button. I just told mom that she left the call. Like in case she didn't realize that she was still talking or something. Okay. I'm going to try to call her using the studio. Okay. I don't know how to do that, but okay. Um, if you have the studio on just above where the call in, people who have called in, there's a, uh, it looks like a phone. You just push that, and then it'll let you enter in the number. And then oh, it'll I, call I them. Called it. Called at the same time. <laughs> Please oh, leave your message hey, for four three five six three zero seven five eight five. Stop. Seriously. I, I that really makes me angry. Because I don't want to what? own my wife's phone number, and now it's recorded on the program. Yeah, that's annoying. Uh, I know I hit cancel too. As soon as I heard it, I was hitting cancel, and it didn't, it didn't hang up because <laughs> yeah. stupid studio has a lag or something. <laughs> Seriously. She needs to put her, like, name on it and stop. Well, damage is done, so I don't know. I'm not going to redo this program, so. Hold on. I'm going to call her on my phone, my other phone that is Olivia's phone that she doesn't get anymore because she doesn't know how to listen. Yeah, are you going to call back into the show or what? Um, I didn't know if you could hear me or not, or if it's just like dropped. They dropped. I know you're out back trying to do goats, so I'm waiting for you to... I can't merge you in. I'm using Olivia's cell phone. Oh. I have you on speakerphone, but I don't... Okay. Well, wait, can't you just drive up front so that 
you can say whatever you need to say. Uh, Mama Goat got out of uh, pen that she's supposed to be in, and Baby Goat is not out with her. And Murray is way up. Like, the baby can't eat because um, Luke is all over her. Like, won't let her do anything. Okay. So, uh, I'm trying to help separate. Okay, Lydia's putting Baby Goat out with my mom, I guess. Okay. Anyway, I'm just trying to help. Okay. Do you want me to try to call in again? Uh, that'd be nice. I'd like to hear what you okay. have to say. Okay, wait, wait. Okay, so she's going to try to call back in. Apparently, um, Mama Goat decided that she didn't want to be in her field anymore. So... She jumped, and Big Goat can't get to her, and Mama Goat is bagged up with a ton of milk because the baby goat hasn't been eating. Hi. Anyway, okay, so, Kim, what did you have yeah. to say? Just, you were trying to say something? I was just trying to say something about the whole – so when they were talking about the polygamy um, in the instance that it helps men get to, you know, the celestial kingdom or, like, get to heaven um, – that to me is really hard to understand because I, you know, from what I can understand, you know, to create celestial families and stuff, it takes, um, you know, um, it takes a man to be sealed up only because you have to be sealed man and woman together, right? So, and that's how you mm-hmm. can get there. So, because there are so many women, I suppose is what they say, so many women who are faithful, valiant, uh, Good, yeah, good people, I guess, yeah, the elect, um, they need to be sealed up, and so since there is lack of men, but a lot of women, you need to put that back, because it will not, it will break up. Okay, now you're talking um, to Lydia. Yeah. Sorry, she dropped the phone. Okay, anyway, so what I was saying was just that it's hard for me to understand why, you know, like what it was saying on there, why is it essential for a male to be sealed to more females because he could be sealed to one female and be fine yeah he doesn't have to so Brigham Young taught a false doctrine about um, if you want your kingdom to be bigger then you must marry more wives because he didn't understand plural celestial marriage and he was doing things in a way that was not pleasing to God. So what I was shown was that one man being sealed to one woman is all that is needed. However, because there are many more elect females than there are males, these women are, they need to be married to an elect man that are sealed to, to him uh, at least. And, this and it would be is, the other you know, way around if there was more men, right? Is what you're saying? Yes. Yes, and okay. um, yeah. So if if there were more elect males than there were females, it would be polyandry, and there is polyandry, yeah. and there is a place for polyandry, even in our whatever. But but the majority of it is that um, well, everybody should be monogamous unless they're told to do it. But God does have well, yeah, to, in order yeah. for these women to I mean, I know your outlook on it. Yeah, I yeah. know your outlook on it and stuff. I was just trying to, I was like, I try to piece that part together. Like, and I know, well, like, 
if you are living in a polygamous relationship with um, other females, like, that is going to be the hardest thing for anybody to live through, honestly, because um, the nitpicky girl drama that happens is crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Well, it can be, but like, the... Yeah. Do you think that um, our friends who live polygamy have that kind of drama? I, think I don't they think do. they do. I think I it's don't just see different. It. Yeah. Maybe. But they I don't try know. to I know. overlook it. Yeah, they try to get over their carnal whatever, their their girl drama. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I think so. I mean, I think it's just different for different people. There's always something, you know, for some women, it's like I'm not sharing my kitchen with another woman. For some, it's like I'm not sharing, (laughs) you know, you know, like, I don't know, utensils. I don't know what it is, but there's always something, right? Some, I know a woman who is like, I don't want anybody to touch my dryer. Like, do not touch my washing (laughs) machine or my dryer, you know? So it's like, okay, well, that's, you know, interesting. Um, so, I mean, it just depends. And with all of the different people, you know what I mean? With men, it's like, don't touch my tools, <laughs> you know? So Yes, Emmett, don't touch things, my tools. <laughs> you know, with all the things, it's hard. Like, it's hard enough to find a compatible individual, one compatible individual, that you can stand their crap for the rest of your life. So, like, trying to find that with more is, like... I don't know, beyond me. So I could see why it would, like, help women to be, you know, um, more compassionate or um, more patient, more kind, more forgiving, more, you know, loving women. But as for the men, you know, they are not having to share or having to, you know, anything. (laughs) I don't know. I I think that um, I just think it would be like um, a stick in the spokes of your bike. You know, like you're going along all happily married with your your husband or wife, whoever, and then you add somebody into the into the family, and it would be difficult. I think. Um, then there could be the potential for drama and turn like it could just, I just, I don't know. I'm kind of scared of polygamy <laughs> a little bit, but um, I don't know. Do you think that, so we're friends with, uh, with the people who own Cody Brown's house when he lived in Lehigh, Utah before yeah. they moved to Las Vegas. And they have, what, three different living areas in that house? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they've got three different kitchens as well. Because uh, there's one downstairs on the other side, and then there's one upstairs in um, one of them's, like, whatever. And then, there's, and then the other one has her own kitchen. And... I think they all have different dryers and washers and anyway, but um, I always thought it'd be cool if like, if I had to be a polygamist to like buy it, uh, like, um, you know, that 
apartment complex down in Farron that I used to live in yeah. when I took the mail. So they were selling that for 120000 and it's four different apartments with two bedrooms in each apartment. And I thought, well, if I had to live polygamy, like, it would be cool to, like, buy that apartment complex and then build onto the front and have, like, a common living area where the whole family could, like, come together and eat and all of the stuff. But then each of the wives has, has her own, like, home that she lives in. Or do you think it would be better if, like, what Cody Brown eventually did is he went and bought up four houses in a cult sack one for each of his wives and he doesn't really have a home but he kind of visits all of his his wives homes Mm -hmm. (laughs) you'd probably like that situation more than you'd like the kind right if you had to live Um, yeah I just would want my own space and then yeah uh, I don't know I I wouldn't. Well, I won't say last names, but do you like the way um, Charlotte and Melissa have their home with their husband? Um, sort of. Because <laughs> Melissa has her side, and she can close the door, and you know she doesn't need to go into the other part of the house. Mm-hmm. Charlotte has her side, and she doesn't need to go into the other part of the house. And then our friend doesn't have three wives, but his brother lives downstairs in that other apartment. But if he had three wives, you know, that would be her home. And, like, they all open up the doors or whatever and visit with each other and whatever. But, like, Charlotte and Melissa both have their own kitchens and their own living areas. Yeah, I don't. Know. I would yeah, like yeah. to live like that with like my family or my sisters, but I don't <laughs> want to live that way with another woman. <laughs> with you. <laughs> yeah, that your that your husband is married to that you're, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like. I get it. Like, if we were called to live polygamy, like, I totally could get it. You know, I've done all the things that God asked me to do. So I am pretty sure I would do what God asked me to do if that had, like, if that was the case, right? Um, But I highly doubt that I would be capable of living it the way that you would want me to. (laughs) Uh, uh, Excuse me. Excuse me. (laughs) I have never told you how I want to live it or what I want to live or even if I want to live it. So I don't know where you're coming up with that. But what I was saying is that you've got this one thing where you're all live in one house, but it's separated. And then the other way is you've got like um, our friend Kevin and one of his wives lives in one house and one of his wives lives in another house or like uh, Cody Brown and his wives. You know, they live in separate houses. There's four houses, which, oh, my gosh, that's like $800 million worth of houses, you know, so they can all have their own separate house, which is nuts to me. But, like, that's how they live live it. And, like, our friend Kevin, 
his wives don't even live next to each other. They're, I don't know how far they are apart because I've never been to one of the wives' house, houses. And I, I like her, and we're always happy to see her, but we've been our house. We always go over to his other wife's house. So, I don't know. I just, and I don't know what the, you know, I don't know why that, uh, I don't know if they, if they decided to live that way for one reason or another, but I don't know. I've just seen people in different ways, but, um, you know, I'm pretty sure there's polygamists that live all together in the same house. And I don't think you would ever want to do that because you don't want, you know, you've got your kids and your washer and dryer and your sink and your stove and your way that you have things. <laughs> and I completely understand that. Yeah, I don't know. I I couldn't see it, so I would have to just uh, definitely get a ton of uh, revelation on it. On like, okay, oh, what yeah. exactly is it we that you're requiring of me? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, what exactly is it so, that I have to do about this? <laughs> so Emmett is safe not having to be kicked out of his bedroom when uh, we have to be called to live polygamy as the second master bedroom <laughs> in our house. <laughs> Emmett, for those of you that don't know, his bathroom is on the other side of the house from ours, and he has a king-size bed in his room because it's our old bed. <laughs> and the bathroom is right next to his, so it's kind of like a master's uh, bedroom. But anyway, I'm just kind of teasing him. And I can see he's still on, but I don't, I think he's muted. Unmuted. I was kind of, you unmuted? No, I am muted. I'm being the quiet. Oh, I was, oh. <laughs> I was just teasing you. I know, I can hear. Oh, okay. Anyway, well, um, I guess, uh, well, hopefully this COVID doesn't get any worse for me and I can be on tomorrow again, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, and we'll go over the life of Moses tomorrow, and I'll try to get the whole thing recorded before 6 so I don't have to read during the program. I like doing that because uh, if I have to cough or if I have to stop and run to the bathroom, which has happened a couple of times today, um, I can just pause it and then I come back and I just start where I left off and it doesn't, there's no break. So anyway, we'll be talking about the life of Moses tomorrow. And uh, thank you, Kim, for your input. And thank you, Emmett, for your muting. He gets muted again. Welcome. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I guess we'll just be done with the program. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Take care, everyone. God bless. And goodbye. Mm-hmm.